The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. This morning's message is, and even tonight, um, we're going to be looking at Daniel. We looked at Daniel chapter 1 this morning. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 2. And uh, let's look to the Lord in prayer, and we'll uh, get right into the message. Father, we thank you, Lord, for, again, this opportunity that we have to meet together to worship you in spirit and in truth, uh, to be in the house of God, the, the living and true God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. Lord, there's just those lies that we hear all around the world, Lord, neighbors and newspaper and media, even Sonoma State, not too far from here. I'm sure they preach some things that are helpful, some life skills, but I'm sure it's mixed in with some humanism. And Lord, we thank you for this place where Christ can be exalted. And we thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. We thank you that you are holy. We thank you that you are merciful, you're good, and that there is none good but one, that is God. We thank you that you are light. We thank you that in you there's no darkness at all. We thank you that you are love, and we thank you that you are one that hears and answers prayers. Lord, I thank you for being the Savior of this church, and you are the head of this body. We thank you for Pastor Smith, Lord, and how you've called him here, or from Kentucky, to serve you here these many years in California. Uh, Lord, we do pray for his wife. We pray for Mrs. Smith. Lord, we pray that you would raise her back to good health. We thank you for this church family that loves us and encourages us and prays for us and financially supports our family. Now, that's growing. And, Lord, we, Lord, only heaven, only in heaven, only in eternity would, would we truly know all the, the fruit and all the, uh, the progress that's made there for the cause of missions and for the cause of Christ. Lord, we thank you for the faithfulness of this ministry here. Lord, we uh, thank you for allowing us to have a part uh, today uh, in the service. Thank you for giving me the privilege and honor to, to preach from this pulpit. Lord, I am not worthy. And Lord, you know I'm nothing but dust. I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God. I thank you, Lord, for your sanctifying power. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help me to speak, thus saith the Lord. Father, I don't expect anyone to memorize anything that I say word for word this morning. But I pray that something would be said that would help a soul. Whether it's to come to know Christ as Savior or it's to be able to go in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and know you more intimately. So that, Father, we can be like David, a man after your own heart. Lord, mature us this day. For Jesus' sake, we pray this in his name. Amen. Uh, Daniel chapter 2. Daniel 2. Daniel chapter 2 this morning. Uh, do we, how, uh, how do we value the prayer service? How do we pra- value prayer meeting? I know sometimes we work, and I understand sometimes it's challenging. Some of you, I don't know if most of us work in Ronard Park or Sonoma County. Um, some of you work in Marine County. Some of you maybe work in San Francisco. You know, I'm not sure you, you know uh, where you work. And I know it can be challenging to come on a Wednesday night after a long day of work and try to meet here at 7 and try to figure out when you could have dinner. And I know those are all challenging. And before I went to the mission field, I spent many years working for Wells Fargo Bank. And banks, they usually close around 6 and I know what it's like. It's, it's very, very, it's challenging. And the pace that we live in America sometimes is very challenging. Um, I don't know if any of us remember uh, the, I guess, in, in years gone by when banks won't even open on Saturdays. 
And now you have banks open on Sundays. You just go to a Safeway or to a Lucky's, and you have an in-store bank. And uh, it's just, you know, it's, times have changed. But I, I hope this morning that we would, uh, just through God's word and God's influence and work upon our hearts, that we would value the, the prayer meeting. Um, in fact, please look with me, before we look at Daniel 2, look at with me to Isaiah chapter 56, verse number 7. If anything that could help you remember, uh, 56, 7, you have 5, 6, 7. 5, 6, 7, but Isaiah 56, verse number 7. <clears throat> this has really helped me just hit the reset button in our ministry there in Beijing, China. To rethink, what is our focus? What do we need to prioritize? What is really important? Isaiah chapter 56, verse number 7. If you turn with me there. And if we could please just stand in honor of the reading of the word of God. Isaiah chapter 56, verse number 7. We can stand and stretch a little bit before we get into the heart and the, uh, the meat of the message. Isaiah 56, verse number 7. Uh, let's look at verse number 7 together. Are we ready? Let's read this out loud together, shall we? Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. Whether you're American, whether you're Canadian, whether you're Mexican, whether you're Chinese, God's house is called a house of what? A house of prayer. A house of prayer. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. A house of prayer. Why is this so important? Because life is about knowing and enjoying God. Amen? We get to enjoy knowing Him. And He wants His house to be a house of prayer. Now, there's a lot that goes on in church service. There's going to be camping, and I love camping. I'm not sure what you're going to be enjoying there, beside the campfire, eating s'mores and different things. I mean, that's all fun. That's great. And uh, I love that. We had a picnic last year. We enjoyed that. Uh, you know, what goes on in church services? There's a lot of singing, and I love singing. Beautiful music here. I love it. And thank God for the special. It's good to see a, a, a young person playing the guitar and, and singing beautifully for the Lord, encouraging our hearts. And I love good music. I love singing. I love the choir. You know, you practice. We were here a little bit earlier. We saw the choir practice. Thank you for doing that. Uh, we're going to have a, I'm sorry, a strawberry shortcake fellowship. And boy, I love eating. You might not tell, but, you know, behind all this, I mean, I, I'm not going to go further. But, you know, I love eating. And we enjoy having fellowship around the table. Food and fellowship. But God's house is not just a house of singing. A house of food and fellowship. And there's nothing wrong with those things. And it didn't even say a house of preaching. And I love preaching and I love studying the word of God. And we're Berean Baptists, amen? We love the search of scriptures daily. But here in this particular verse, it says here that we should, that number one day it says, make a, uh, it says, even then will I bring to my holy mount and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Is it a joy and a delight to go and pray? Go before the throne of grace and pray. You know what we struggle, and I'm going to be speaking for myself, I struggle a lot with prayer. You know, as you see children growing up, and you see them develop physically, and the physical abilities. 
from crawling to standing to walking to climbing. There's going to be a day when my children, they're gonna, my children right now, they're, they're wearing shoes, but there's no shoelaces on them. But, you know, what's really difficult is when, when you begin to develop, develop your own skills, you begin to say, hey, I can be more independent now. I can tie my own shoes now. My three-year-old, he still, he still needs help a little bit just changing in the mornings. But, you know, what prayer does, it humbles us to realize that we need to depend upon God. But a lot of times in life, we, don't real, we realize, hey, boy, I can tie my own shoelaces now. There's a lot I can do for myself now. And we become more and more independent, and we think, you know, I don't need to pray. I mean, my job, I've been at my company for 15, 20 years. I worked there from Monday to Friday, 9 to 6, used to be 9 to 5. And boy, I know my job like the back of my hand. What do I mean, pray? We've had children before, although we've never been the, the parents of three kids. You know, why do I need to pray? But God wants us to pray. And God wants us to depend upon Him. And I want to ask us this morning, are we a house of prayer? You know, I, I had to really just look at all the ministries I've been a privilege to be involved in, in, in America and in China, and I realized uh, that even in a church service, we spend a lot of times singing. Um, we have singing, we have announcements, we have preaching. We could sing for maybe 15, 20, 20 minutes. We could have preaching for, for 30, 35, 40, 45 minutes. And then we have prayer time that's maybe a few minutes. We have an opening prayer, we dismiss in prayer, and we have a prayer for the offering. And our prayer time really is, in comparison, it is out of proportion. In fact, most people, when they come to church, they have no idea that the church, God's house, he wants it to be called a house of prayer. Because we spend less time praying and more time doing other things. And those other things are, are not less important. But God here focuses, he says, I want my house to be called a house of prayer. Is that what Isaiah 56, 7 says here? That's what it says here. It says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. For all people. Uh, look with me here before we get to Daniel. I'm going to go quickly here. Uh, Daniel, uh, not Daniel. Let's go to First First uh, Timothy three. First Timothy three, verse number fifteen. First Timothy three, verse fifteen. We're going to go quickly. I'm going to talk fast. Can you can you try to listen fast? I'm going to try to process all this. First uh, Timothy three, verse number fifteen. Here it says in First Timothy three fifteen. And without, uh, I'm sorry, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God the pillar and ground of the truth. But God's house, he wants to be called the house of prayer. And today in the New Testament, what is the house of God? The church of the living God. Amen? And he wants his house to be a house of prayer. Now at times, even in our, in our church in Beijing, it's, it's, we do the same thing. We have opening prayer. Uh, we pray before, we preach, we have a prayer. We don't take up the offering. It's a little bit different. I'm not going to explain all that, how we do it in China. Uh, we have a closing prayer. We have lunch together. We say grace. We thank God for the food. And then, boom, we eat. And, and we need that fellowship time. Don't get me wrong, because we work a lot. We're, in the, we, we're busy all week. We finally get an opportunity to spend time with our brothers and sisters in the Lord, to find encouragement, to find people that actually think the way that we think. We have the same value system. And we devour those times. But we spend a lot of time talking to each other, eating. And we don't do a lot of time praying together. Let me ask this question. 
Other than maybe people in your family, if you are in a Christian family, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. My parents were, were, were unbelievers. They didn't know the Lord. But besides your personal prayer time, when was the last time you prayed with another believer? And how often do you pray with another believer? You talk to other believers. You may sing with other believers. You may even discuss some things about the Bible together. But how often do we pray together? God says, but my house should be called a house of prayer for all people. For all people. Look at me at Acts 1. Acts 1. We're going to get it down shortly. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We look at the, the, the church. I believe the church, and I'm not going to get all the, all, the, all the details, but I believe when Christ came, the church was conceived, and then in Acts, the church was birthed. Um, when Jesus was on the earth, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. That was future. And, and you see it here in Acts. The local church became a formulation of pastors and deacons. And all that makes up what we know as the Baptist Church, the local New Testament church. But notice what they did in Acts chapter 1. Look with me at verse number 12. Verse number 12. This is after they saw Jesus ascended back up to heaven. Verse number 12 there in Acts chapter 1. It says, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. Verse number 13. And when they would come in, they went in into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John and Angie, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Al- Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. Verse number 14. Then, uh, I'm sorry, these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the, name, the number of names together were about 120. So what did they do before Pentecost? Before the first sermon was preached, they prayed. Over 120 of them. You know, they didn't come and say, okay, who's going to be the senior pastor? Who's going to be the associate pastor? Who's going to be the Sunday school teacher? Who's going to be the usher? Who's going to work in the nursery? And those are all wonderful. I thank God for it. I have no problem with it. But the first thing, as you see from Scripture, wasn't to how to organize a church and how to have different positions. They spent time in prayer. In fact, I, I, forgive me here. Let's go back to 1 Timothy 3, uh, or actually 1 Timothy 2. We're already there. Forgive me. Go back to 1 Timothy 2 for a moment. A house of prayer. And I realized that even in Beijing, our ministry, it was just, the, the proportion, it was just disproportionate. 1 Timothy 2, verse number 2. Look at verse number 1, please. 1 Timothy 2, verse number 1. I exhort thee, therefore, first of all. First of all. What's the priority here? This was Paul writing to a young Timothy who was like a preacher boy to him, trained to be an early church leader. First of all, what, what should be done here? Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, including, including some of the Roman emperors there. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may live a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Wouldn't it be wonderful if government leaders would come to the knowledge of the truth? Now, they might not re- respond properly to the truth. They might not accept the truth, but they at least need to have the knowledge of the truth. Amen? Rather than continue to be in darkness, that's what we need to be light. 
in this darkness. But first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. That's the first thing. It, 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 the word of God did not say that my house should be the house of preaching. Should it be a house of evangelism. Should it be a house of feasting and banqueting. But it should be the house of prayer. Amen? House of prayer. Now let me go to uh, Daniel 2. Daniel 2. We're going to end this, this, uh, the example, the application. Daniel 2. Daniel 2, please. Daniel, Daniel chapter 2. You say, well, I don't think there was a church in Daniel 2. No, there wasn't, but there was definitely a, a prayer meeting there in Daniel that I want us to, to study and, and to learn from. Daniel chapter number 2. Daniel 2 here. Are we okay this morning? Daniel 2. Daniel chapter 2 here. Let me ask this question. This is an important question to answer. How many of you have been around unreasonable people? I mean, just unreasonable and even their demands is unusual, it's unreasonable, and maybe you would even say it's uncalled for. And the people that you've had this experience, how often do you have to be around those individuals? You know, maybe some of us, you work at a company, you work for an employer, a boss, supervisor, that maybe it's not easy to get along with. And as we look at Daniel, Daniel was living in a day where he was held captive, he was a prisoner in Babylon, and his king, what's his name? Do we know his name? Nebuchadnezzar. Can you spell it? No, you don't need to spell it. Okay. But Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar, was he a reasonable man? And we're going to get to this story real quickly. Let's, let's, let's read quickly together. And, and in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans uh, for, for to show the king his dreams. And I'm not sure even in our country whom our leader is calling. I don't think it's any better. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto, he, unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever, which is um, what we would understand as Aramaic. O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If ye will not make known unto me the dream, with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. This is, well, that's wonderful, isn't it? I mean, what a demand. What a, how unusual. Hey, you know, I had a dream last night. I was troubled. It was like a, a nightmare. And how would you like it? You go to work uh, tomorrow morning, and your boss says, you know, I had this nightmare. I was really troubled. And uh, can you, you there's, I have two requests, okay? Number one, tell me what was the dream. <laughs> what was the dream? What was my nightmare? And number two, uh, tell me the interpretation. What's the special meaning behind my dream? How would you feel? talking to me? I'm sorry, but I don't think that was in my job description before I signed up, before I agreed to sign a contract to, to work here. And if you don't do it, what are the repercussions? What's the consequences? You'll be cut in pieces. I don't think he's talking about cutting your hair and your fingernails. You'll be cut in pieces in your house, your property will be made a dunghill. Wow. What a demand. 
Verse 6, but if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. Verse 7, and they answered again, because we see in verse 6 there, he says, show us the dream and we'll, tell you the, we'll interpret it for you. Uh, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show the interpretation of it. Verse 8, the king answered and said, I know of certainty that you would gain the time because you see the thing is gone from me. Verse 9, but if you will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you, for ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak unto me. Till the time be changed, therefore tell me the dream, and I shall know that ye can show me the interpretation thereof. What is verse 9 implying? Does he trust these men? I mean, he, <laughs> verse 9 says, ye have prepared lying and corrupt words before me. So whatever counsel or advice that he has asked for of these men in the past, he's finally come to realize their lies and the corrupt words. So he's, it's almost like he's finally come up with something. He said, hey, I had a nightmare. I had a dream that troubled me. So you need to, number one, tell me what the dream was. Number two, interpret it for me. And if you don't, then I'm finally going to deal with you guys. And verse number 10 there. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such things at any musician or astrologer or Chaldean. And you read about that. But they didn't, they didn't confess that they were deceiving him. In verse 9, uh, when he was accusing him of lying and, and speaking corrupt words to the king. Verse 11, And it is a rare thing that the king requireth, and there is none... Um, there is none other that can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. And verse 12, For this cause the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise, uh, all the wise men of Babylon. Look at his reaction. Um, he just flew into a rage. And what did, he, what did he do? Verse number 13, And the decree, there's an edict, okay? That's what I want to happen right now. By imperial order, and the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they brought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Oh, hold on. Let's put on the brakes here. Was Daniel part of speaking lie, lies and corrupt words to the king? Was, was Daniel in any way associated, uh, associated with these uh, musicians, astrologers, or these Chaldeans? He had nothing to do with this. But you know, sometimes when we get very emotional, we lose all logic. Has that ever happened to any of us? And so here he is, he's going to just say, hey, you're all the same. Oh, you better be careful. And then verse number 14, then Daniel answered. So he heard of this. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Ariok, the captain of the, guard, the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Ariok, the king's captain, why is this decree so hasty from the king? Then Ariok made the thing known to Daniel. It looks like the king Nebuchadnezzar, all this anger was built up. Did you see this? Because in verse 9 it says, you prepare lying and corrupt words. So he's finally figured it out. He said, these wise men, you've been lying to me. You've been speaking corrupt words. So all this anger is built up to the point where he's, he's just exploded. And no, he doesn't need anger management. He needs the Lord. Amen. But, you know, he just, he just explodes here. And Daniel says, why is it so hasty? And what does Daniel do here? What does he do? 
Verse 16, then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. Verse 17, then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. What do you see here? You see a prayer meeting. And you don't, what we see is, you don't see Daniel says, you know, I'm a good prayer warrior. I'll just pray by myself. He calls his three faithful friends that we learned from Daniel 1. They didn't compromise. They didn't eat the portion of the king's meat. And they prayed together. And then what happened as a result of their prayers? Verse 19. Then was a secret revealed unto Daniel in, in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Verse 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the Lord God forever and ever, for wisdom and his might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removed the kings and set up kings. He gave the wisdom unto the wise. He's the one who gives wisdom, amen? He gives wisdom. And knowledge of them that know understanding. He revealed the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is the darkness and the light doth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might. And has, uh, and has made known unto me how, uh, me now, what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Daniel says, let's meet together, come to my house, let's pray. Amen? Let's pray. And even in Isaiah 56, verse 7, my house should be called the house of prayer. But, you know, they couldn't have the, the same house because they're held captives in Babylon. They couldn't go back to Jerusalem. They're not going to go back to Solomon's temple. But it didn't stop them to say, let's pray together. And God heard and answered their prayers. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Prayer changes things, doesn't it? We cannot advance without prayer. Someone once said this, only God can move mountains, but only prayers move God. And, and we, need, we need the Lord to remove, I mean, this mountain is, I mean, their lives were at stake. The king was going to destroy all the wise men of Babylon, including Daniel and his friends. They prayed. And after prayer, God answers, and they began praising the Lord and thanking him in prayer again. Amen. And look at verse number 24 here. Verse number 24. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Notice the compassion Daniel has. You know, these astrologers, these magicians, they were corrupt people. Even the king finally woke up and realized that. But in spite of all that, Daniel had mercy upon these other wise men, even though he was implicated because of these wise men. Is that right? He says, because of you, the king is, is angry, built of anger. And he wants to wipe out all the wise men, including me and my friends. But in the end, he says, you know, let the king settle down, calm down, and do not destroy any of the wise men, including these false teachers and prophets. What compassion Daniel had for them. <clears throat> and then notice, we're not going to get into the dream interpretation, because my focus is house of prayer, prayer meeting, praying together, praying as a family, praying as husband and wives. Have your own individual prayer time. But, but pray, pray corporately, pray together. Uh, look at verse number 46, verse 46. After Daniel gives the interpretation that God gave to him because they prayed, 
Verse 46, then the, king, then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of truth it is that your God is a God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Now, many theologians and other commentators of God's word would criticize Daniel here because in verse number 6, he worshipped Daniel. It doesn't look like Daniel stopped him from doing so. Now, I don't know if he did or not, but I do know this. In verse 47, he does say of truth, it is your God. He is the God of gods. He is the king, well, let's see, God of gods and Lord of kings. Is that right? And how does that happen? It happens because as God's word tells us, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I'm sure that although he's worshiping Daniel, Daniel deflected the praise back to his Lord, amen? His God. And, and as we conclude the story here this morning, verse 48, Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their Babylonian names, or Chaldean names, over the, over the fears of the province of Babylon, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Now notice verse number 49. Daniel requested of the king. What, what was Daniel's request? Did Daniel forget his prayer partners? Daniel did not forget his prayer partners. He realized how invaluable they were. And as an extension of Berean Baptist Church in Ronald Park, I realize how valuable your prayers are to our ministry there in Beijing, China. And we appreciate your prayers for us. We really do. And Daniel made a request before the king, and then the king says, hey, all right, let's call, the, let's call your three friends here. And he gave him some, uh, gave him some authority, didn't, didn't he? Prayer. Now, let's, let's stop for a moment before we go off to lunch today, before we're dismissed. How would the story been different if Daniel and his three friends did not pray? I mean, what do we do? What's the alternative to prayer? To complain? <laughs> to protest? To say, King! Uh, uh, why are we implicated? I mean, we're not astrologers. We're not musicians. We're not Chaldeans. Why do you want to wipe us out too? I mean, he could have just, you know, hired a lawyer as his defense attorney. Is that what he did? He spent time in prayer. Amen? And he called his other friends to pray. And who, who knows, if he didn't pray they would have probably been executed. They would have probably been cut in pieces as well. It's my prayer for our church in Beijing and for even churches in America to come back to our first, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Amen? You know, I, I see a lot of different ministries, they, they major in street preaching, they major in house-and-house -house evangelism, they major in all these different vacation Bible schools, and those are all wonderful. And bus ministries, and, and prison ministries, and, and, and going to nursing homes, and having rescue missions for the down and out, for those who are on drugs and other different things, and those are wonderful. But our priority 
And everything that takes place prior to any type of ministry we should have, preaching and, and outreach, and even helping out with orphans and with, with widows, the foundation is prayer. Amen? The foundation is prayer. And I pray that uh, God would just, in our families, in our church family, eat together, laugh together, talk, sing, study the Bible together, preach, but spend time in prayer. Spend time in prayer. Let's, let's, let's stand up for closing prayer. <clears throat> Father, you know, in many ways, Father, I'm not qualified to stand before anyone here to preach, especially this topic. You know my pride. You know, in many ways, I want to rely on my past experience. And in some ways, sometimes it's easier for me to say, well, I could preach in English. That's my first language. It's a lot easier to preach in English than to preach in Mandarin Chinese. But Lord, I, I need you. And I realize your word says, without me, you can do nothing. And that I cannot bear any fruit that's eternal that would remain. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to hearts here. To every individual member, the leadership, to... Lord, the fathers, the husbands. Lord, we spend a lot of time eating together, talking, playing, and those are all wonderful things. We may have time to sing together. We may have time to memorize scripture and, and, and look at Bible stories. But Father, help us to get back to prayer. Lord, I thank you for Daniel. When faced with something that we would say it's completely unfair, that he was implicated because of what the musicians, the astrologers, and the Chaldeans have done in their past, appearing lying and corrupt words before King Nebuchadnezzar. That he had all this stored up anger. That he just exploded and in haste wanted to wipe out all the wise men, including the Hebrew slaves, that had, that had found favor in his eyes. But instead of hiring a lawyer in his defense... He gathered a prayer meeting in Babylon with his friends. And Lord, I thank you that Daniel's prayers were instrumental in seeing even King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4 come to know the Lord God of heaven, the Most High God. Oh Lord, please help us to get back to prayer and help us to see great and mighty things which you know not. We thank you for your promise that we call unto you, you will answer us. And I thank you, Lord that you can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Lord, please, this morning, working hearts, help us to make prayer a priority in our personal life, in our marriage, in our, in our household, and in our ministries. Your house shall be called of all nations, of all people in the house of prayer. Thank you for this privilege that we can talk to you. Lord, we may not talk to you some other human authority, some other kings or rulers or presidents. But we could talk to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of the universe, the one who holds all power and authority, the one who's filled with love and mercy and grace. Help us not waste this privilege. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. 
If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.